0: to pray and ask God to speak to us today and see what he has. So let's just ask the Lord. Father, we come before before you and we just thank you that you are a good God, that you love us, that you came to this earth to die for us, to make a way that we can have a relationship with you. And so, Father, today I pray that the reality of that sacrifice would impact our lives and and change us, that we would actually live as citizens of heaven, that we would live in a way that glorifies you, honors you. And so, Father, I pray against any condemnation that might come today from the enemy. May that be gone in Jesus' name, but Holy Spirit, if you need to convict us, that we would be open to that and that we would repent and... um. Lord, I just thank you that godly repentance leads leads to life. And so, Father, I just pray that you would speak today and that you would work in your precious name. Amen. So when I was a kid, um, one of the the ways that you could get the news was obviously TV, 6 o'clock news, or I don't know if it was 11 o'clock. I was usually in bed, so I don't remember what time it was. But the other way that you could get the news was uh, through a newspaper. And I remember my parents reading the newspaper, and I would think, that is the most boring thing you could read. It's just black and white, there's like hardly any pictures, and you know I just thought it was brutal, except for one page. And those of you who are my age, around your 30s, you know which page that was, that was the comic page. That was the only good part of the newspaper, right? And so, um, nowadays, you don't come across comics in the same way, but every now and then I find one that I think is pretty funny or cute, and I just enjoy them. And one that I recently came across, I feel like, is very fitting for this, uh, for this season. And it's a Charlie Brown one, and it says, um, um, Lucy, stupid weather. And Charlie Brown says, are you complaining again? Do you realize that you spent all your time complaining? And Lucy responds, well, why shouldn't I complain? It's the only thing that I'm really good at. <laughs> I, I feel like it's pretty funny and cute, you know, but it's actually really accurate of its dis- portrayal of human, human beings. And, and or maybe it's just me, but recently I have been like so challenged by uh, by my complaining actually. <laughs> and you know It's funny because, yeah, we have this beautiful little baby boy, but sometimes I find myself complaining that I'm not out on the lake on a beautiful day or hiking like everybody else, it seems. Thank you to social media like Pastor Mark brought up last week. You know, I let these things creep in, and I let envy come in when realistically I wouldn't change it. I love being a mom. I love taking care of Cooper. But, you know, it's funny because when I prepare to preach, some of you guys know this who have worked with me in youth or young adults. um, You know that when I'm preaching, (laughs) my capacity for stuff kind of goes down. And I get a little bit stressed and a little bit anxious. And sometimes um, it seems like complaining just becomes my natural mode. (laughs) And so uh, when I was preparing to preach on not complaining, um, it was really frustrating and convicting and humbling because all of a sudden I, I was aware of all of the things that I was complaining about. You know, I could find anything to complain about, it felt like, and God was just convicting me and working in me, especially in the past couple of weeks as I've been preparing. So, so I just got to say, I've been in the pew for the past month as I've been preparing this and preaching to myself, because this is something that I'm not good at. I, I haven't arrived. Maybe you haven't. Wow, I need to meet you, <laughs> because I'm not good at not complaining, but... It's been interesting, because can you relate, or am I the only one who complains? Some of you can relate. You know, uh, what about this past week? What what have you been anxious about? What have you been nervous about or or irritated with? Who are you irritated with? Um, Have you found yourself complaining about those situations, or even if your attitude says it enough, sometimes my face will say enough. I don't even have to complain with words. And it seems like there's always something to complain about. You know, whether it's the weather, Which I think many of us have had our fair share this summer, complaining about the weather, or if it's work, because let's face it, we either complain that there's too much work or too little work, and so we gotta complain one way or the other. Um, And sometimes it's our coworkers, sometimes it's our boss. And I'm going on record here: I never complain about my boss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have, and I had to apologize because, yeah, that's not a good thing. Don't go down that road, right? Um, What about our family? You know, and let's face it, either work, we spend a lot of time there, or with our family, and those are the two places that we complain the most, it seems, whether it's our kids, our spouse, or our siblings, our parents, even family vacation we can complain about, right? We can complain about financial stress, the car breaking down, the, the daily grind at the house or the rentals that are never done, um, our neighbors, or for those of you who are in school, school age still, Are you complaining that you're bored because you're not in school when in three weeks when you're in school you'll be complaining that you're in school? You know, like it's this crazy kind of cycle that we go through and it seems like there's no shortage of things to complain about. So my question is, are we just destined to be grumpy? Are we destined to be miserable for the rest of our lives? Are we destined just to to argue and to complain and to be unhappy and unsatisfied with life. You know, let's face it, most of us don't want to be around people who are grumpy and complaining, but when it comes to me complaining, it's okay. (laughs) But no, we don't like to spend time with people who are complaining, and yet it's such a human human tendency, it's a natural um, inclination to complain when things aren't going our way, when things aren't what we expected or what we wanted. So are we just destined to be miserable? And I want to say, absolutely not. See, Jesus came to earth and he wants to impact every aspect of our lives. And that means he wants to impact the the areas where we want to complain about. And he wants to give us the ability to rise above those emotions and that complaining attitude to actually have joy in the midst of our circumstances. God wants to impact our life. And it is critical, the reason to not grumble or complain is absolutely critical, which we're going to look at today. So I want to see what God has to say about um, complaining, how to overcome that, and why it's important. So if you want to turn to the passage, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16 is where we're going to be. And the first part of it. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing in the ESV or in the NIV without complaining or arguing. Do all things without complaining or arguing. It doesn't just say do, do some things without complaining or arguing, or when you feel like it, don't complain or argue. It says do all things without complaining or arguing. And like I've said, and I want to say again, first off, I'm not good at this. I'm, I'm, I have not arrived. In fact, this passage, I love the book of Philippians. Like, I've always loved this pa- like this book, and I, I even memorized this book like 14 years ago. I just, it's such an incredible book, um, and I've always loved this passage that we're gonna be looking at, but I always kind of focused on the outcome of the passage rather than the command, but you can't have the outcome without obeying the command, and so <laughs> right before um Before Cooper was born, I was spending some time in the Word and um, I was 10 days overdue and so I was a little bit grumpy, (laughs) a little bit miserable. And God highlights this verse. And I've never really noticed the first part of it. Do all things without complaining or arguing. And I was like, whoa. God, I'm sorry. I've not been obeying this. Therefore, I can't claim the outcome of this passage. And, and as I was thinking about what to speak on for today, I felt like I, we need to go here, it's simple. We know that we're not supposed to complain. We know we're not supposed to grumble, but to act it out is really hard. Or a lot of times we'll just overlook the simple things in the scriptures. We'll overlook the lists and be like, yeah, check, I'm saved by grace, which of course we are, but are we working out our salvation? Are we actually living it, living according to our identity as kids of God? Are we living according to our citizenship in heaven? And that's where I was challenged. Because it's like, oh, Lord, you need to do a work in me. So it's been really humbling and convicting to speak on this because I'm not good at it yet. But I'm asking the Lord, Lord, please make me better. Make me more joyful. Help me not to grumble or complain. So I don't feel like I have the credibility to speak on this today, but the guy who wrote it he definitely had the credibility. See, a little bit of background on this book. And we call books of the Bible. The Bible is like full of a bunch of little books. And some of the books in the New Testament are actually letters. And so this, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, hence the book of Philippians. And so what he's doing, he's writing them to thank them for a generous gift that the, they had given him and also to encourage them to continue to grow in their faith and live out their faith. And so... Paul is writing them, and it's not like the letter to the church in Corinth or anything, because (laughs) he was writing Corinth, uh, the church in Corinth, to really um, call them to account with some things that they were doing wrong, whereas Philippians, it's a relatively healthy church. There was a couple things that he tweaks, but overall, it's a very endearing letter. And as you read the letter, you start to notice how many times he talks about rejoicing or thanksgiving or being full of joy, and that's kind of the theme of this book, The theme of Philippians is joy. So when Paul says, do all things without grumbling or arguing, he's saying it fits in with the joy theme because arguing and complaining is actually the opposite of joy. In fact, complaining steals our joy and our ability to live in joy. But back to why Paul has the credibility to say, do all things without complaining and arguing, it goes back to Acts 16. And I'd encourage you to read the story again later on this week or today. But the gist of it is that Paul goes to Philippi. He meets this woman, Lydia, who's a bit like a wealthy businesswoman. She's the first convert in Philippi. And she convinces them to stay for a while in the city, and the church starts to grow and, and so on and so forth. Well, as Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel, there's this little girl who's d- demon possessed. And this little girl, every time she'd see Paul, she would say, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. This sounds like a great thing that she's proclaiming. But it says that Paul got irritated with her. And, you know, it's funny reading the Bible and you start asking questions like, why was the demon-possessed girl declaring this? And then why was Paul irritated with this? I don't know why. But at one point, Paul gets irritated or troubled, and he finally casts the demon out of this young girl. Well, that's an amazing thing, but here's the thing is that this little girl was actually a slave girl, and her slave owners were making money off of her because because of her demon possession, because of her captivity, she was able to predict the future, and so they were making money off of this, off of her captivity. So when they all of a sudden realized, oh, shoot, what are we going to do how are we gonna make money because now she can't predict the future, they were furious. And they seized Paul and Silas and they took them to the authorities and they said, these men are declaring things that are unlawful for Romans. And there's not a proper trial by any means, but rather a mob mentality stirs up and they seize these guys and the authorities say that um, strip them and beat them. And it says that they were severely flogged. Now we know that the Romans were professionals in torture. And when you think about flogging and what Jesus went through, I, I think these guys were in a pretty bad state. I think Paul and Silas weren't looking too good. They were thrown into jail afterwards in the inner cell and their feet were in stocks. Now I can say that if that was me, my reaction would not be like theirs. <laughs> it says in chapter 16 when you keep reading, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Yeah, that would not be my response. <laughs> Number one, if it was midnight, I'd probably be sleeping. Number two, if I was awake, I'd be complaining. I'd be saying, hey God, what's up? Have you forgotten that I'm here preaching the gospel, that I started a church here, that I cast a demon out of this little girl and this is how I'm repaid? I'm beaten and thrown into jail? But what's Paul and Silas' reaction? They're praying and they're singing to God. Now, as they're singing hymns, at midnight, the chains come off of their feet and the doors fling wide open in the whole prison. Now, the prison guard, he sees this and he's fearful that they, all of the prisoners have gone away and are, are escaped. And because of that, he thinks, I'm going to get killed because I've let a prisoner or multiple escape. So he's about to take his own life when Paul cries out, no, don't, we're all here. And the prison guard comes and he falls at their feet and he says, what must I do to be saved? And that night, that prison guard and his whole family gave their lives to Christ and were all baptized. So fast forward about 20 years later. The prison guard is in church and he hears that the apostle, the guy who led him to Jesus, has written a letter. And he's sitting there, he's listening, he's like, what does this guy want to say to us? And as he's listening, he keeps noticing this theme of joy come over and over again. And and these are some of the verses in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. In verse 18 and 19, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. In verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Chapter two, verse one, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, which I didn't put in there, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, By being like minded. In verse 17, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice offering, sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. And then, chapter 4, verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And then the passage that so many of us know in verse six and seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Can you imagine the prison guard sitting there hearing these things and thinking, wow, Paul's still living it. He's still just as joyful as this first night when I met him and I gave my heart to, to the Lord. And if he's still able to be joyful despite the circumstances he's in, I can be joyful too no matter what I face. Because the reason that Paul has credibility to say this is because he's lived it, but also when he wrote this, he was in prison still. He was in the Roman prison. And he knew that down the road he might give his life for Jesus. See, Paul has the credibility to say, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Why? Because he lived it and was living it. He has the credibility to say these things. See, despite his circumstances, Paul was joyful. He was able to live above what was happening to him. And he was challenging and encouraging the church to do the same thing, and he's challenging and encouraging us as well to live with joy instead of complaining. Now, the joy that Paul's talking about It's not like that Rastafarian song where it's like, don't worry, just be happy. Where it's this idea of this um, denial of reality and you're not living in reality. Just forget it and just be happy. No worries. That's not the joy that Paul's talking about. He's not saying being unrealistically optimistic so that you can't ask for prayer or share your burdens. No, you need to ask for prayer. We're encouraged to do that. We need to share our burdens. It says so in scripture. But there's a fine line sometimes that we cross between sharing our burdens and then complaining. And you know what? Sometimes life isn't going the way we want it. That, that's reality. It's not always easy. In fact, a lot of times it's really, really hard. And there's a lot of hard circumstances, but in those situations, we're called to bring those things to God, right? In chapter four, verse six and seven, don't be anxious or stressed out about anything, but rather bring those things to God. In a sense, complain to Him In a sense, say, God, I don't like this. It doesn't feel good. I'm not enjoying this, and I'd really like you to change it, but God, I'm going to praise you anyways. And I need your joy despite what I'm facing. I need your strength to live despite what's going on around me. See, Paul, he wasn't living in denial. He was very aware of the reality of his situation, yet he still rejoiced. (laughs) and this has to do with the bigger picture. You know, why was he able to do this? Um, Why was he able to to actually live this impossible command to do all things without grumbling or complaining? And it kind of goes back to chapter 1, verse 27, and this is why, sorry, this is why it's important to to, to obey and how we can obey, but um, chapter one, verse 27 says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Or in, in the Greek, it has this idea of behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. See, Paul's encouraging them and calling them to live in a way that, that represents their identity, their citizenship. And in chapter 2, he continues on, and he talks about the perks that they have as being Christians. And then he says, these are the characteristics that are supposed to define your life. Humility, unity. And then he continues on, and he says in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 13, right before our passage, and he says how we can actually live without grumbling or complaining. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Here's the thing. We can't even desire to do the right thing without God's help. It is God who works in us both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. And what's his good pleasure? Do all things without grumbling and arguing. Do all things. And how do you do this? With the work of the Holy Spirit saying, the Holy Spirit, I, I can't do this. And, you know, I'd encourage you, try to do it by yourself for a day or a week. It's impossible. That's where we need the Holy Spirit to come and work within us. You know, it's so important for us to follow and obey this command to not grumble or argue because for us personally, complaining steals our joy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live without joy. I wanna live full of joy, despite what's going on. You know it's interesting too because Paul continues on, like you, you look at that, I'm just kind of focusing in on the complaining aspect, but arguing is in there too. And this is a pretty big deal to Paul because um, he talks about unity in chapter 2 and he talks about how that comes is through humility like Jesus showed when he came to earth. And then in chapter 4, this is such a big deal to him that he actually calls out two women and says, Euodia and Syntyche agree with each other in the Lord. And I can only imagine being one of those women sitting there and being like, whoa, that's not cool, I'm really embarrassed, I gotta get my act together, you know? I'm I'm sure glad Pastor Paul doesn't call out my disputes publicly, you know? Um, But that's it, Paul was so serious about this that he says, hey, don't argue. Agree with each other in the Lord. Do all things without complaining or arguing. Do all things. How can we do that? It's by the work of the Holy Spirit. But we can't just sit like blobs and say, okay, Holy Spirit, do everything. <laughs> no, we actually need to partner with the Holy Spirit. So, so how do we partner with him? What's our action? What, what's our part in that? And partially it's an outcome and partially it's an antidote to complaining. And it's what Paul's been talking about the entire letter. It's choosing joy. It's choosing to be thankful when we don't feel like it. It's exchanging our complaining or our attitude and asking for his fruit, the fruit of the spirit, asking for joy to come and be our strength. You know, if you've ever wondered what God's will for you is, look in 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says, be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. That's his will for us. You know, this past week, like I say, I've just been really convicted and humbled as I've been preparing for this message. And this past week, um, as I was praying through some stuff, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, I've been complaining about a certain area of my life for about six months. I, I didn't view it as complaining. I didn't think I was complaining. I was just stating the facts. But really, my heart was in a complaining attitude and I finally had to just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I had to choose joy. I had to start worshiping him and saying, God, thank you for this in this area, this to this, 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 this. And I just had to do that. You know, this is a, a lesson that I think I will always have to learn, unfortunately. But another season, and I've shared this um, a while back, but one of the lowest seasons in my life, I was totally broken. And I was challenged to have a joy journal where every day I'd just come before God and I would thank him and I would list at least 10 things, 10 gifts from God from that day. And as I started listing those things, the interesting thing happened is that this joy, this inexpressible joy rose up within me to the point where even if tears were falling down my face because I was so broken, there was this point in me that I was able to say without a shadow of a doubt, with more conviction than ever before, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it came by choosing joy, choosing to be thankful even when I didn't feel like it. You know, I've had to put this back into practice and I think it's funny because it's in the mundane, simple things. You know, uh, there's moments when I have to get up in the middle of the night because my little little guy is screaming <laughs> and there's moments where I just want to get frustrated and upset and think, why aren't you sleeping? I don't know what to do for you, right? But I've had to change it as I've been preparing for this and just start to thank God. Choose joy. Lord, thank you for this little boy. Thank you that he's healthy. Thank you that I get to snuggle him at three in the morning. You know, like, thank you. And it switches it. Because what happens when we pray, when we sing, when we rejoice, when we give thanks, is there's breakthrough. That's what Paul and Silas experienced in prison. They experienced breakthrough as they lifted their eyes above their circumstances to praise God. So that's the first way of how how we can partner with God in the second way is to recognize this isn't our home, to lift our eyes and, and to realize we don't live for this life alone. We're citizens of heaven and therefore I need to live as such and I get to claim those perks and I get to say, Holy Spirit, come give me your joy. Come partner with me as I lift my eyes up to you. Will you enable me to walk above my circumstances, to live with a new perspective? So that's how we can actually live without complaining or grumbling or arguing, is by partnering with the Holy Spirit, choosing joy and recognizing our identity. But why is this important? What's the benefit? You know, if you keep reading in verse 15 in chapter two, it says, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. See, Paul is stating our identity, but also the outcome. We are blameless and pure when we come to Jesus, but also we need to work out that salvation by not complaining nor arguing. And we do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is incredibly hard. It's simple. We know this. But it's hard because we live in a culture that complains all the time. <laughs> we can live in a culture that doesn't think anything of it to argue with other people. And this is why it's so important. And and I want to get to the culture in just a second, and I'm going to close with that. But I actually want to focus in on the wording, the crooked and twisted generation quickly. Because I think there might be a double meaning there. I think Paul is talking about the outside world, the the world that doesn't know Jesus. But I think it's kind of interesting because Paul, he he was trained as a Pharisee. And so he knew the Old Testament inside and out. And when you know something so well, it comes out in your, in your writing and how you talk and everything. And so Paul, actually, as he's writing this, I don't know if the church in Philippi would have caught on to this. But he uses the same phrase in Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. And listen, it says, they, meaning the Israelites, have dealt corruptly with God. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. This is is Moses writing, talking about the chosen people of God, (laughs) talking about the Israelites. And why were they described as crooked and twisted? Because of lack of faith and grumbling. You know, in another place, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10, and he says, uh, he uses the Israelites as an example, and he says, do not be like them. Don't grumble like they did, because some of them were destroyed by the destroyer. Kind of referring back to, it seems, number 16, when Korah comes before Moses and Aaron with 250 men, and they're complaining against their leadership and saying, You guys are no good. And so there's this standoff, seeing who is God going to, ch- uh, to choose, Moses and Aaron or Korah and these 250 men. Well, when they have this standoff, God opens the earth and swallows up Korah and the 250 men. And so uh, Paul's kind of talking about this destroyer. Now, If that's not bad enough, the next day, the Israelites are so upset by this, even though it's like, why would you wanna go against Moses and Aaron? But they're so upset that they go and it says that they grumble again. Against Moses and Aaron. Well, God is upset by this. And a plague breaks out and starts to go across the Israelite camp. And Moses says, go Aaron. Go make sacrifice. Go, go and uh, offer incense. So Aaron goes and he stands in between the plague and the Israelite community. But still 14,000 people perished. Why? Because of grumbling. They were God's chosen people. And I think if what we're supposed to learn here, when Paul is writing to the church... And using these examples is that we aren't immune. (laughs) Sometimes we're the crooked and twisted generation. Sometimes we're the ones arguing within ourselves. Sometimes we're the ones who are complaining. And here's the thing that I think we need to learn from the Israelites. You know, because they complained about everything. That's what they're known for. They complained about leaving uh, Egypt. They complained at the Red Sea. They complained afterwards because they had no water. They complained that they had no meat. And then they complained going into the land. They didn't want to go into the land because there's giants and they're going to kill us. And, you know, on and on and on and on and on. They just complained over and over and over again. Sometimes we're like that. But what I think we can learn from that is that they actually missed out on God's blessing. That generation didn't get to go into the land because of lack of faith and grumbling. I don't want to miss out on God's blessing because I was having a pity party. I don't know about you. See, it's imperative to follow this command because if we do, you will live life to the full. You will get God's joy. You'll be able to live with his joy when you choose his joy. It's imperative for us to live with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the second reason why. So that we may be blameless and pure, children of God in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars of the universe as you hold out the word of truth. See, here's the reason why it's so important not to complain or to argue. is because there's a dying world around us and they're watching and are we going to live in such a way with such joy despite our circumstances that they see our good works and glorify our father in heaven which is what Jesus said in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount when he calls us to be light of the world, a city on a hill, salt of the earth. That's what we're supposed to be, lights shining in the darkness so that you may shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of truth. Here's the thing, if we don't grumble and argue, maybe people will see that there's something different. And maybe it'll be life and death to them. It's simple, but incredibly hard, because we can't do it by ourselves. Can you imagine with me someone coming to church, looking for something different? looking for hope, looking for for something that's real, maybe a purpose, but all they see and all they find is the same grumbling and arguing as outside the church. And unfortunately, that's a story that's often true. And I want to say to those of you who maybe don't know Jesus, maybe you're here, you're looking for something different. Maybe you're looking for hope. Maybe you're looking and longing for joy, longing to know that you're not alone. And I want to say, you know what? Those of us in the church, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But we are longing to get better with the power of the Holy Spirit and partnering with God because that's why God came, was to have a relationship with us. See, if you're longing for something real and new and different and hope, you got to get to know Jesus. You know, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He is God, and He came because He loves you. He walked among this earth. He was pure. He was blameless. He never sinned. And the whole reason He came was to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin, all of the things that we've done wrong. And that penalty cost Him His life. He died on a cross when He didn't deserve it, and we did, but He did it for you and for me. But here's the thing He did not stay dead. (laughs) He rose three days later, and he conquered sin and death once for all, and he lives always. And here's the thing it says in Hebrews, he lives to intercede for us. He is always alive, and here's the thing too, he doesn't just live by himself, but he offers to us the amazing gift of eternal life, of abundant life. And here's the thing, it's not just for heaven, but abundant life starts today where we can claim his joy, claim, his, claim everything that comes with him, that eternal life, that abundant life, that joyful life. So if you don't know Jesus today, but you want to, I encourage you, ask for forgiveness, say, God, I'm sorry for whatever, all of this stuff. Lord, I pray that you would come, that you would cleanse me, that you would forgive me, and that you would come live within me. And if you make that decision today, it's the best decision you'll ever make. And if you make that decision, I'd encourage you, to talk to somebody. Go to the info center or guest reception after the service and, and say, hey, I made this decision but I don't know where to go from here. And you know what, we wanna help you with that. Following Jesus is the best life ever. But for those of us who do know Jesus as our savior, what does it look like? How, how can we practically live this command this week? How can we practically live and do all things without complaining or arguing? And here's just a little bit. Um, ask God for desire and strength. You know, we're gonna pray for that today. And I'd encourage you, say, oh, Holy Spirit, come change me. Give me the desire and the power to live with joy. And then I'd encourage you, every single morning, examine yourself. What am I stressed about? What am I anxious about? Who am I irritated with? And lay those things at the feet of the cross. And then in the evening, examine yourself again and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me how I did. Did I complain about anything today? How did we do? And if he reveals something, ask for forgiveness, know that you're forgiven, and then ask for strength to live differently the next day. You know, it's simple. This is simple stuff and yet it's difficult but God wants to do it with you. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us and to partner with us. Because this command, obeying it, won't just benefit your life, but it'll benefit the world around us who desperately needs to see our light. And how do they see it? Through our joy. By living differently, by living without complaining and arguing. So can you imagine with me what it means? might be like, instead of complaining about our co-workers, we pray for them. Rather than complaining about our spouse, we thank God for them. Rather than complaining about the weather or the rain, we take time to rest with God. Rather than complaining about work, we praise God that we have a job. Rather than complaining about your parents, you take time to actually be grateful for the things that they do and have done. You know, what's the situation that maybe you're complaining about? What, what do you find yourself anxious or frustrated or irritated by? How do you find yourself maybe complaining? Bring that to God and say, God, I want to exchange this and I want to receive your joy. So if you don't mind standing with me, I want to pray with you. Does anybody else struggle with complaining or is it just me? Am I just preaching to myself? <laughs> All right. So if, the, if you guys need prayer, I, why don't we lift our hands and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come. And I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to anoint us with his power, with his strength to live in joy. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. And we just thank you, God, that you did come and you made a way for us to live above our circumstances. Holy Spirit, you live inside of us and you wanna partner with us. You wanna give us the desire, the the will and the action and the power to actually live in a way that's above our circumstances, so that we can do all things without complaining or arguing, so that we can, we can live with joy. And Father, we know that this is important for us in individually, but Father, it's so important for the world around us. So Jesus, I pray that um, you would make us shine like stars in the universe, that this week we would have people ask us, what's the, the hope that you have? that we would have opportunity to to share the reason of our hope and lord that we would bite our tongues that you would quicken our spirits when we want to (laughs) complain when we want to argue lord that you would just quicken us and say hey let's live differently i thank you that your arms are wide open that we can come to you with our burdens you don't turn us away (laughs) and then you also give us strength to live above them So, Father, bless each person here. Anoint them with your Holy Spirit, with your power, with your, yeah, just everything you want to give to them. Holy Spirit, may you fall upon us and anoint us to live with joy so that you may be glorified. Father, we love you and praise you in your precious name, amen. Go in peace and go in joy.